we start to, you know, Pastor Steve used to be a little bit of a preacher at times, so we're going to start off before, and we're going to pray for two people who we have to pray for. Um, Heather Thomas, her brother-in-law, has back surgery tomorrow, and uh, his name is Danny, so we're going to pray for Heather's uh, brother, uh, with back surgery, and then Christina, her mom, Joanne, is going to have a quadruple bypass on Tuesday, so... This is, we're a family, and some of these people you may never meet, but they're part of our family, and if it touches our family, then it touches us, okay? So we're going to start our service off as you turn over to 1 Samuel chapter 21 and Galatians chapter 5. We're going to pray for both of these today. Our dear gracious Heavenly Father, I just ask that you would uh, step in and heal. And Lord, if you choose to use the doctors, then we will give you the praise for that. Lord, help take care of these two people. Help, Lord, the surgeon's hand to guide directly. Father, help the anesthesiologist have no problems with everything that's going on through bringing them out and putting them to sleep. And Lord, I just ask that you allow quick healing. Lord, take Joanna and place her in your big, strong hands. And we ask that you would protect her, Lord, and allow the doctor to heal her heart through this procedure. Lord, help her with her recovery and help her to have no infection and be able to leave the hospital very quickly. Lord, help Denny, help the doctors in this very difficult procedure with the back to have no surprises. Lord, let this procedure be described as perfect in textbook. And Father, help him to this alleviate the pain in his back. Lord, but Father, help him to be able to leave the hospital. In Jesus' precious name, amen. amen. Turning your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 21. A little heads up, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 5. If you do not have a Bible, there's one in the chair in front of you. If you'd like to take notes in the back of your newsletter, there's an outline of today's message. We're going to talk today as we've entitled chapter 21, Slipping Away. David has been slipping away in the right place, and now David is slipping away in the wrong place. And so much of your life is about choices. Today is going to be the effect of choices that you have in your life. Young people, this could be the most life-changing message you ever hear. These could be some of the best truths because they come from the Word of God that would save you from so much heartache in your life. Because life is about choices. Everyone in here, everything about your life has been a choice. Sometimes you didn't realize it was a choice until 20 years later. You went on a date with her and you shouldn't have done it, right? So you, you said, yeah, well, it's too late. You said, I knew. But anyway, it's about simple choices you make inside your life. This week I had an interesting thing happen, and it kind of went along with this message. Uh, I was cleaning out the gutters uh, because somebody had to. So I was cleaning out the gutters in the church, and uh, one of them was backed up and one was disconnected. So I, doing all that, pulling out leaves and everything. And I looked up and I realized out here on our, our, our carport overhang, there's a gutter that runs along it. And I thought, I've never even noticed there's a gutter and there's a downspout. Well, there's no point cleaning out all these gutters if that gutter up there is also. So I got the big ladder. If you know me, there's two things you need to understand. I am definitely afraid of heights, but I do what I have to do. And I'm a borderline germaphobe, okay? I'm like one hit away in the head from like bringing my own silverware to a restaurant. Because that just bothers me and stuff. But my wife won't let me do that. So, so. When she goes out of town, if I go out to eat, I bring my old silverware. But anyways, so I climbed up on top of the roof, and I looked over there, and sure enough, there was something in the downspot. It was stuck. And I look, and the first thing I think is, okay, it's a dead animal. <coughs> Which means, Dave, I'm not touching this. I'm not touching that. There's no way I'm going to touch this dead animal. And, but I look a little closer, and I realize it's not. Uh, a dead animal. It's kind of wadded up and it looks a little leathery. So I kind of reach in, I pull it out, and as I pull it out, I realize it's a walnut. 
In fact, this is what I found. You have a picture here? This is what I found inside our gutter at the top, is this wallet. And uh, inside the wallet, I didn't include it in the photo, was a driver's license. And if you look at the very top part, there's a, a little uh, badge that says Waterford Fire Department on it. So, and so I took the driver's license out, and I started cleaning it off. It's got a whole bunch of certificates and everything on it. And I'm just, as I'm cleaning this off, I'm like, oh, Jesus, please give me the strength not to get malaria and die. <laughs> I know that's not how you get malaria, but in my mind, I was thinking it. So I clean off, and I see it, and the, the, the expiration date on the license, 2006. That's 12 years ago. So I look at the name, and I look at the address, and I Google him, and I find his number. That should scare you right there. But I just Googled his name and his address, and I found this man's number, and I called him up. His name was, like, Kurt. And I said, hi, is this Kurt? And I said his last name. And he goes, yes, who is this? Thinking I'm like, I don't know, a bill collector, the police, or anything. And I said, my name is uh, Steve Sheridan. I'm the pastor at Oakwood Baptist Church. And I would think at that point his tone would get lighter and more, oh, he went, yeah, what do you want? Like, anyways, I said, uh, sir, I'm just calling to let you know that uh, I found your wallet on our roof. Pause. What? You, what? Yeah, I just pulled your wallet out of one of our gutters, and it's got your license in it. And it said it expired 2000. He goes, I've never been to your church. I, I think he wanted to say I've never been to any church, but that doesn't sound good. Right? <laughs> I said, I've never been to your church. He said, what's your address? He gave me the address. He, he starts thinking, he's talking. He goes, are you anywhere near the Eagles Club? I said, well, we're right next door. And he starts talking. He goes, ah. Oh. He goes, I used to be a member of the Eagles Club. And around 2004, I left my truck unlocked, and my wallet went dis disappeared. And we put it together that somebody probably stole it out of his uh, car, walked down the front of our building area, and just threw it as they took everything but his license out of his wallet and just threw it up on the roof. And it was up there for 14 years. So you know what I did? I went around and checked all the other guys. I thought, maybe they threw the money in here. So I called him up, and then he came. And I, I didn't tell my secretary, Mary. I didn't tell her this. So this guy surprised her, came in on the door going, I'm here for my wallet. And she's like, this is a scam. He's here to kill me and stuff. Like, you know, but anyways, he got his wallet back. And listen, choices. Some of you are here, some of your life has so many problems in it because of bad choices. Somebody stole his wallet. This was always fascinating to me. Parents, somebody did something to you when you were 16 and you turn around and do it to your kids. You carry all these issues and these struggles because of something your father did to you or your father did to your mother, your father did to your family, and then you turn around and do the exact same thing to your family. You have, you're here and there's so many of the things that you're dealing with. Could you not mark down 100% of them or at least 99% of them? Because somebody in here is going to pull up some example. But you're dealing with struggles and issues because of bad choices. But you know, some of you are here today, you're alive because of good choices. I, listen, I, the reason I'm not a, an alcoholic like all my Irish ancestors before me is because my grandfather made the choice to accept Christ as his personal Savior, and that changed everything in our family. It changed my father's life, and my father's life changed my life. I'm here today speaking to you because of good choices people made. The reason I have my wife and I have my family, all because of a choice I made when God called me into the ministry, and I said yes, and I went and asked my pastor, where should I go? What should I do? My pastor said this, and I chose to follow him and listen to what he had. I have my wife, I have my family. Everything I have today is because of a good choice I made in my life. Choices determine everything about you. If you're taking notes today, our first thought is this. 
Choices change my life. They change it for the good, and they change it for the bad. Choices change your life. They put you down the right path, or they put you down the wrong path. David will, David has made the wrong choice because he's in the wrong place. Not just because he's in the wrong place physically, he's in the wrong place spiritually. Last week we started this off by saying there's people you'll meet when you're in the wrong place. The people you'll meet, first of all, you'll meet to remind you. People proud of their possessions. People eager to entice. People acting on their addictions. And people excited about their entertainment. Today we're going to talk about the choices you make when you're in the wrong place. When you're in the wrong place spiritually, you're going to make choices that are going to cause a lot of pain and issues for other people. So here's number one. The choices David makes because he's in the wrong place, number one, will bring tragedy to the innocent. You're going to see a pattern develop here. Look at verse 7. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord, and his name was Dove, the Edomite, the chiefest of the herdsmen that belonged to Saul. Last week we talked a lot about the Edomites, and we said that the Edomites are the descendants of Esau. Remember Jacob and Esau, and all of his descendants are Edomites. We also pointed out in Numbers chapter 20, when they had left Egypt and were going to the promised land, the king of Eden refused to let them go through their territory. And we also point out last week, when they finally became a nation in 1 Samuel 14, the Edomites warred against God's people. Today I want you to see the evil of Dog. I mentioned how evil he was, and you may have only read verse 7 last week and thought, well, how bad of a guy was he? Well, flip over to chapter 22 for a second here. In 1 Samuel chapter 22, look how evil Dog is. Then answered Dove the Edomite, which was said of the servants of Saul, he's talking to Saul, and said, I saw the son of Jesse, that's David, come to Noah, to Ahimelech, that was the priest, the son of Abuda. And he inquired of the Lord for him, and he gave him victuals, that's the bread we talked about a few weeks ago. And he gave him the sword of Goliath, but those we're going to talk about that this week. Then the king set to call Ahimelech, the priest, the son of Abuda, and all the king, all his father's house, and the priests that were in Noah, and they came all to them, to the king. Saul brings Ahimelech and all the other priests, all the men of God there. And he's got something to talk to them about and find out what happened. Look down to verse 18. Look at the evil that is Dove. And the king said to Dove, turn now and fall upon the priest. And without even thinking, and Dove the Edomite turned and he fell upon the priest. And he slew on that day fourscore and five persons that did wear the linen ephod. That means they were, they were a priest. They were a man of God. <coughs> this. You know, sometimes I feel like I'm a guy just standing on the road. Yelling at you that the bridge is out. Warning you. Because that's what I'm doing today. This is the result of what happens when a believer makes a bad choice. Innocent people always pay. When you choose to walk away from God. You're here and you're a parent, mom and dad. The innocence of your life are pretty obvious. It's your children if you walk away from God. And here's the thing. We can see so clearly on certain issues. I, I want to clarify something for you. You don't have to believe what I'm about to talk about to be a member and be active and to love Jesus. But I think it's very clear out of God's word that life begins at conception and abortion is murder. And we can see so clearly the innocence in that womb. And when a young lady finds herself in that situation, and 
Uh, we encourage, we pray for her. We give money so that she has the resources to raise that child. And let me just say this to you, a blanket statement, young people. You ever find yourself in that situation? You're like, well, what could I ever do with this child? I can't raise it. Listen, you have that baby. Give it to us. We'll throw it out of the pile. Who will notice one more, okay? <laughs> we will take that child if, if found it, okay? I promise you, me and Miss Sandra will take that baby because we're taking some of the other babies. Why not take yours? So anyways. <laughs> But we see so clearly, don't we, in that situation, she, this is the choice to make. And then we fast forward, and that baby that the right choice was made is like 14, 15. And mom walks away from God. She takes that little one with her away from God. Mom and dad, you choose to leave Jesus, you're going to take the next generation. Young people, right now, God bless you, but some of you are making horrible choices. Decisions. I'm going to be honest with you. I told you at the beginning, this is old school. You need to quit dating her. She's not a Christian. She doesn't love Jesus. But she's pretty, Pastor Steve. I love that you like pretty girls. But if she doesn't love Jesus, she's not for you. Some of you right now, you're, you're messing around with things like drugs and alcohol. Oh, it's just fun. We're just having a good time. You know, every addict starts off with fun and a good time. You need to walk away, sir. Let me talk about this in just a few seconds. There's a lady at your job, and let's just be honest with you. You flirt with her. Oh, well, I'm just friendly. You're not friendly with the guys like that. You're not friendly with the ladies who have a face like a Mack truck, right? You don't talk to them that way. The cleaning lady that comes through and has a hump on her side and a mole, you don't flirt with her the same way, right? You're making a bad choice. And the people that will pay are the innocent people in your life. Let me give you two principles, and then we'll, this isn't in your notes, but two principles. Number one, all sin requires a payment. All sin requires a payment. If you're in here today, you, are, you were born and conceived in sin. You were imputed sin was upon you. That's a theological term, but you are a sinner separated from God. And there's someone who has to pay for your sin. By the way, you don't pay that sin to the devil or anything else. You pay it to God the Father. And that's why he loved you so much he sent Jesus to die on a cruel Roman cross. His death on the cross, that is the payment for my sin. And when I was a young child, I asked Jesus to be my payment, to be my Savior. I was born again. All sin requires a payment. Amen? All sin in your life is going to require a payment. Is it your son that's going to have to pay for it? And here's another thing, principle number two. There are always dopes in your life. Now, don't call anybody this. If you go out to eat and meet your family and go, hi, Grandma Dope, don't do that to your grandma. Right? There are always dopes in your life. They are. Don't give them an opening. You say, I don't know if that's true. Jesus had a dope. His name was Judas. Every believer has a dope in their life, waiting for you to slip up, waiting for you to give them an opportunity and step in. Like, it could be that pretty girl at work. It could be the young person, that friend who just cannot wait for you to start doing drugs and drinking with them. It could be anything. There's Every person has a dope. Every church has a dope. Every family has a dope. It could be a person. It could be a cycle. Listen, here's a, here's a basic rule of thumb, okay? Every family has a crazy person. Think of the crazy person in your family. If you cannot think of the crazy person in your family, the reason is you're the crazy person. <laughs> I don't think our family has anyone crazy. It's you, buddy. 
Every family has a doe. You might have to extend out to your cousins. Think of who the doe in your family is right now, who's just waiting to step in and pull you away from God, waiting to slip something in your... If you can't think of who it is, it's you. Number two, David's choices will bring shame to the innocent. Look at verse 8. And David said unto Himelech, Is there not here under thy hand spear or sword? For I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required it. Next to that last phrase, the king's business required, if you like to put notes in your Bible, just put three, three letters, one word, lie. Saul, Saul was looking for David. Saul was trying to kill David. He, he didn't ask him to do any of this. And by the way, the king's business, God is not in a hurry, but we are. We are always in a hurry to do things and to skip across God's plan. God's got a plan for something in 2020. Well, and, and that's God's will, but I'm going to do it now. Listen to me, young people. It may be God's will for you to marry that person, but when you skip ahead of God's will and live with that person before you marry, it is called sin. Even a good thing can be bad if you do it out of God's order. Amen? And look, 930 didn't amen this either. All right? But I expect more out of you. You've had a nap. <laughs> You've already slept in. You're good to go. A lot of them got up, and, you know, when they're senior citizens, they got up at 6 in the morning. But think of Moses. Moses knew he was God's man, and he kills that uh, Egyptian. Moses jumped ahead of God's timing, and God said, okay, you're going to learn patience 40 years in the wilderness. If God needs to, he'll send you to a desert to learn this. And think of this, too. David's habit that he is establishing right here of jumping ahead of God's time and taking what he wants is going to bring the greatest shame to him, his family, and his nation in just a few years when he looks out over the top of his palace and sees a beautiful young lady by the name of Bathsheba bathing, and David takes her. David will later write this about this in his life in Psalm 69, 19. Now, people, this could be your life first, Psalm 69, 19. Thou hast known my reproach and my shame and my dishonor. My adversaries are all before thee. And I'd like to say, mockery. Number three, David's choices will bring pain to the innocent. Look at verse 9. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom thou slewest in the valley of Eli, Behold, it is here, wrapped in a cloth, behind the ephod. If thou wilt take it, take, take that, take it. For there is no other save that here. And David said, there is none like that. Look what he says this to me. Give it me. Give me the sword of Goliath. I want to ask you two questions as we look at this. Two questions as we look at verse 9. Number one, why didn't David have the sword in the first place? Why didn't David have Goliath? You, you remember David had the slingshot, and Goliath came out there with his monster sword, and Goliath blasphemed God, and Goliath said, I'm going to take your bones and your flesh and throw it to the birds, and David, all he had was a slingshot, and boom, if you grew up in church, one little stone went in the sling, and the sling went around. How many of you know that? 
How many of you know that song? Raise your hand if you know that. Yes, you like me need therapy. But anyways, what, anyway, no, but anyways, and that ring, that stone went and King Goliath, and Goliath stood on top of, uh, David stood on top of Goliath and picked up his big sword and just chopped off his head. That was like one of my favorite passages of the Bible growing up, the blood and the guts. I had a great Sunday school teacher who played up all the blood and the guts, and us as little boys were like, yeah, that's awesome. I gotta read more of this. But anyways, why doesn't David have it? You know why he doesn't have it? Because he took it to God as an offering and put it before the God on the altar and said, God, this is yours. And now he is here back after he gave God something, taking it back. Christian, you place something on the altar. There was a habit, right? You have this habit, and it's a real difficult thing, and you said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to get this right with God. I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to stop being involved in this. And, so, and you put it on the altar, and after a week or two goes by, you think, you know what? I'm going to need this back here. Parents, I talk to you for a second. I don't push baby dedication a lot. It's not in the Bible. The churches do, but I don't push it a lot. You're here and you'd like to dedicate a child, we're glad to do it. We always we have an open dedication to teach every child the gospel to tell them about Jesus. Say amen. <laughs> but here's the thing, parents, you need to be careful. This is dangerous. The reason I don't push it because I think most people think baby dedication is just christening without the water. You come before God and you took that child and you put it on the altar and said, God, this child belongs to you. You do whatever you want with him or her. You you you, you make him a preacher if you want. You make them a missionary if you want. You do whatever you need to this child. This child is yours. And then you walk back over and say, well, yeah, I know I gave it to God, but I'm going to need him. I mean, he looks like he could play ball. This is my retirement, right? God, I'm going to need her. I know I said, God, whatever you want to do with my child, but she's talking about being a missionary, and I don't want to visit my kids and grandkids in Africa. So, God, I'm going to take this little baby back. You've picked up that child and walked away from God. I'll tell you something, that is very dangerous. That is incredibly dangerous. And you need to talk to some of the people at 930 because they have done that. And they are reaping the consequences of that decision. They come and they wonder why their kids don't serve Jesus, why their grandkids aren't in church. You want to know why? Because a lot of them put that child on the altar just like David did with this sword. And they went back later when times got confusing or whatever the decision, whatever reason, I don't care what it is. And they said, you know what, I'm going to take this child back. God doesn't put up with that type of offering. Second question I want to ask you. Where's David slain? That slingshot. I mean, he had such an amazing victory with that slingshot. And now that slingshot that was God, that represented God's will, that represented everything about God, he doesn't want anything to do with it. And he is here trying to get the sword of the man who blasphemed God, who said he was going to kill David. I'd rather have Goliath's weapon than God's weapon. This week, you're going to have a choice. Every day, maybe every hour, maybe every minute, but every day you're going to have a choice. Are you going to pick up the sword of Goliath, the sword of the flesh, the sword that looks really tempting and the easy answer, the shortcut? Or are you going to go over and you're going to pick up the sword of the spirit? Listen, the sword of the Goliath looks really tempting. I mean, if we're going to go into a fight, I'll be honest with you, if we're going to go into a battle, I'd rather have an AR-15 than a water gun. 
because it looks like it's got the better advantage in the thing. But let me just ask you something. Who died in the battle between David and Goliath? I mean, even strangers, people walking down the street, grab them sometime and pull them up and say, who died between David and Goliath? You'll probably get arrested, but if you ask them, everybody knows, Goliath died. Why do you want to pick up a dead man's sword, a dead man's weapon, a loser's weapon? Why do you want to pick up the sword of the flesh? Because all it brings, I promise you this, is death, destruction, and disease. Why do you want to pick up this sword and regret and re not use the sword that is proven, the weapon that is proven to win, proven to bring victory? Well, this looks a little more tempting. This is the easy thing. I don't want to do all this kind and forgiveness stuff. That's too hard. My sister-in-law, she made me mad. So you know what's better? Pick up the sword of Goliath and cut her down on Facebook. Because it's a lot harder to pick up the sword of the Spirit and forgive her. But she mentioned my kids. Turn the other cheek. Isn't it easier to slash someone's tires than it is to forgive them? All week, you're going to have a choice to make. All week, will you pick up the sword of the Spirit or you pick up the sword of a dead giant? sword of the flesh. Turn over to Galatians 5 for a moment. Contrary to what you might think, you can't pick up both. You can't do some sort of crazy ninja thing with two swords, right? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I got a little Jesus over here, and I got a little revenge over here. I got a little Holy Spirit here, and I got a little Budweiser here. I'm going to pick up both swords, and I'm going to wield them at the exact same time. Contrary to popular opinion, you can't do both of them at the same time. In every battle, there's a conflict. We choose which sword we're going to use that day. I want you to hear God's word roll over you. Galatians 5, verse 16. Look at this. This I say then, walk in the Spirit. Pick up the sword of the Spirit, Paul is saying. And ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. They're contrary to each other, Paul says. You can't pick up one and have the other in the hand. You're going to pick one or the other this week. And these are contrary to one to the other. So that you cannot do the things that you would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest through these. Listen to this. Adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, enemies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. And look what Paul says this. This, this is crazy. This is he says the same thing in 1 Corinthians 6 when he gives another list. Of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul goes on and mentions a whole list of almost some of the similar things in 1 Corinthians 6, and he says the same thing. Paul basically, I'm going to paraphrase him if it's, it's all right. He says, I don't know how somebody can be saved, and yet every time there's a choice to make, Instead of picking up the sword of the spirit, they pick up the sword of the flesh. That their go-to moment is always the sword of the flesh. And you never see anything out of them that is the sword of the spirit or anything godly. Their natural reaction when they're wrong is hatred, is vengeance, is coming after you. Their natural reaction when any time they're tempted with some sort of issue or some sort of decision to make, they always make the wrong one. Paul says... These 
people will not inherit the kingdom of God. May I say to you, that ought to drive to your core the question, are you a believer in Jesus Christ? Or did you just say some words or say a prayer or join a church? Because Paul says people who repeatedly and only know the sword of the flesh, the reason is because they have no spirit in them. They're dead. They're walking dead men. Sir, ma'am, is this your go-to move? I think it's time you really came to know Jesus. The sword of Goliath, the sword of the flesh. I want to go over some of these things with you. Look at this. This is these first three things I'm about to say will not be preached in most churches across this city and across this country and across the state. They won't. You want to know why? Because these are three of the biggest problems in America today. And if I tell you you're wrong on these three issues, you will go to someone else's show. You, you know, the Methodists put on a really good show. You know, the, the, the Presbyterians down the street are putting on a good show, and they never mention these three things. These three things could be your last three times because you are not going to have anybody challenge you on these. But I'm going to tell you something. This is the Word of God. Young people, if you can get these first three things down, you will save yourself so much pain and problems, and you will not pass on this to the next generation. So instead of hearing these next three things and thinking, I need to see another show, would you take a moment and allow the Holy Spirit to talk to you through the power of the Word of God? The sword of Goliath, number one, adultery. It's adultery. You know what most marriages do when they come into problems? Instead of the sword of the spirit, sword of Goliath. Let's pick up the sword of Goliath. You know why? Because we've got some problems, and if, and if we don't talk to the pastor, or if we get involved in Christian counseling and marriage counseling, or there's a pretty good chance someone's going to point their finger at me and say, I'm doing something wrong. Listen, I'm going to talk to you like adults, okay? I hope that's okay. Adultery is really not about sex. Adultery is about trust. And you broke that trust. Young people, number two. I'm using the authorized version. Fornication. Let me just be blunt with you. Fornication is any sexual activity outside of marriage. Anything between one man and one woman is a deviation of God's plan. That is the sword of the Spirit. You say, well, Pastor, we're going to get married. We're going to do this. And everything. You know, it's interesting. I've had guys, you know, at my church. This is the culture that I'm living in. This is the culture I preach in. But I've had young couples, and they're living together, and I hear about it, and I'll ask them. And I'll say to the young, I always go to the man and talk. I don't like talking to ladies about that. I don't think that's appropriate. I'll go to the man and I'll say, um, so you're living with her. Well, yeah, but it's just cheaper and stuff. I said, so you're being physically intimate? Oh, no, pastor, no. I said, okay, wait a second. Let me say this. So you're living intimately alone with a woman that you think is beautiful and attractive. You like, you think, oh, yeah, and you love her, right? And you're not being physically intimate? And I usually ask this question, are you a homosexual? Because only a homosexual man can live with a woman he thinks is beautiful and in love with and not be tempted to do it. Well, then he changes. Well, you well, pastor, we yeah. have. <laughs> yeah. And I said, okay, so you are, now you're lying about what you're doing too. And you know what God's word has to say? I said, I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here. To, I'm just here to show what God's word is a mirror. You want God to bless your marriage? Anybody in here not want God to bless their marriage? Amen. Anybody in here who want God, wants God to bless their marriage, say amen. amen. Why do you think God's going to bless your marriage if you're doing this? Now let me go one more step. It will not be talked about. Any sexual activity 
between two people outside of marriage or between two people of the same gender is fornication. Homosexuality is sin. You say, well, Pastor, you don't talk a lot about that. You know, well, there's a lot in the Bible to talk about. I hope you wouldn't think that I wouldn't talk about the same things every week. You say, well, Pastor Steve, do you hate these people? Should we? Come on. Do you not know me? Do you not know Jesus? So what would Jesus do? Jesus would love people because Jesus loved a lot of sinners. And aren't you glad you died for sinners like us? Yeah. But that doesn't mean we change God's standard. We're in our situation that we're in. You know what's next? I'll tell you what's next. And, and I'm going to do a message on this in the fall. I'm going to be blunt with you. What's next? Is sex with children. That's what's next. They joke about it. They laugh about it. You want to know why some of these same groups love Islam? Because Islam's all about sex with children. They marry children. That's disgusting. You say, well, Pastor Steve, that's disgusting. Yeah, and 30 years ago, if I got up and talked about two men together, you would have also said that's disgusting. You see, God didn't change. What changed is the culture changed, and the culture eroded your morals and your standards and what is right. And now you accept what God used to say was wrong, and God still says it's wrong. Amen. You're here, and you have been picking up this sword of fornication. I want to say this to you. Every person in this room on this subject, right, has done something wrong. Okay? Except my mother. She's perfect. <laughs> Everyone in here has done something wrong. My mom will even tell us, I kissed a boy in sixth grade. And she's like, oh, don't tell her I said that. Because she's like, oh, she kissed him. But my mom and dad, my dad dated one girl his entire life. And I think that is awesome. My mom dated one boy her entire life. That was my dad and stuff. But even in that situation, we all do something wrong on this level. Amen? Amen. You are in a room full of people who made mistakes. Here's the thing. From this day forward, instead of walking out feeling, well, Pastor Steve really made me feel bad. No, Pastor Steve's trying to warn you. This day forward, drop that sword, and from this day forward, do it right. Move out. Tell him or her, we got to live somewhere else. we got to do something different. Break up with him. Well, but we love each other. Well, stop sleeping with him and see if he still loves you. Number three, uncleanliness. That was a lot more than my notes, Pastor Ted. Uncleanliness. You know what uncleanliness is? It's impurity of mind. Garbage in, garbage out. Gentlemen, this is pornography. Ladies, this is pornography. Number four, lasciviousness. I love the King James. Look at that. You know what lasciviousness is? It's dirtiness. That's why bars are dirty. And here's the thing. I just mentioned those first three. Maybe if you're like, ah. And, and counseling and, and being a student pastor for so many years and stuff, there's a phrase I remember a lot of them would use, and they basically would say something like this that got involved in stuff. There's not enough soap in the world to make me feel clean again. First, and I would always say, I'm glad you feel that way. That's the Holy Spirit bringing conviction. That is great that you feel that way. They'd always say, and I said, you're, and I'll say this to you and to them. I would say, you're exactly right. There's not enough soap to make you feel clean again. But you know what there is? There's the blood of Jesus that washes you white as snow. You come to the cross, you come to Jesus, and you ask for forgiveness, and he will clean you. Number five, idolatry. That's worshiping images, worshiping things. You think, oh, I'm so glad that's not me. Let's go out in the parking lot. Number six, witchcraft. Number seven, hatred. I just, I need to keep moving. This is why we went long at 930. Honestly. You hate 
Jesus? It's a bitterness that's growing inside you. You can either pick up the sword of the flesh and strike her down with hatred, or you pick up the sword of the spirit and turn the other cheek. Number eight, variance. You know what variance is? This is where this all started, variance. Variance is debating God's word. Not debating God's word, but it's debating that God's word is God's word. Number nine, emulations. That's jealousy. Number ten, murders. You know what murder is? Murder, Jesus said this. Well, I, actually, I've never killed anyone. I'm looking pretty bad on some of this list. But I've never killed anyone. But you know what Jesus said? Murder is basically something you do in your heart. What would you do if you could get away with it? If I gave you $10 million, would you leave your wife? Would you abandon your family? Number 11, drunkenness. You know why people get involved in alcohol and drugs on the whole? Well, there's two reasons. One, people are just lazy. Well, it makes me have a good time. You know what also makes you have a good time? Read a book. Have something to say. Bring something to the group that's just more than, hey, right? But you know what the other reason why people get involved in drugs and alcohol? It's to kill pain. It's to kill the issues they've been dealing with and the struggles and the problems that they have. And instead of, instead of going to God and allowing the Holy Spirit, talking with their pastor or Sunday school teacher or deacon and getting spiritual counsel from good people, this fight takes some time. This could take years for me to get over. This could take a long time for me. That sounds like a lot of work. You know what's easier to do? Grab Jack Daniels. And if I just numb myself, what's easier to do is get a little Vicodin. What's easier to do is to smoke weed. Because then I don't have to think about all the stuff I did or what was done to me. It's just so much easier to pick up the sword of Goliath and strike down my problems with drunkenness. Let me just also say this to you. I don't mention this every week. But you would do very well to avoid all alcohol in your life. Complicated free life. You just do this. 
don't drink or do drugs, and don't sleep with somebody unless you're married. Those two basic things there. I have lived in the, one of the poorest sections in America, the south side of Dallas. I have ministered to some of the poorest people on the planet. I'm a foster parent and seeing this. You find anybody who's stuck in poverty, you ask them those two questions. Do you drink? Do you do drugs? Okay. Do you sleep around? Or do you have a child out of wedlock? Do you have those things? And you'll see those two things are 99.9%. .9%. You want to be comfortably middle class? You just avoid alcohol and drugs, and you don't sleep around with somebody until you get married. That's, that, I mean, I'm not even trying to sell you on the Bible. I'm just trying to, this is how you can be an easily, comfortably American. David didn't want Saul's clothes before. Remember? He didn't want Saul's armor. He wanted God. He just wanted God's sling. He just wanted what God had. He just wanted Jesus. And now, he wants the sword of a dead giant. Check this quote out. It's not mine. It's a genius, so it could be mine, but Here's this quote. Too often as Christians, we unclothe the armor of God, the spirit, and put on the armor of a dead giant, the flesh. What are the weapons of the spirit? Well, you can check them out in Ephesians 6. I put them down in your notes, so feel free to check them out in Ephesians 6, but they're this. Put us up there, Cameron. They are truth, righteousness, the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, and praying. That's inside your notes Ephesians 6, verses 14 through 18. So check that out inside your notes. But what are the results when we pick up the sword of the Spirit? Look at the end of Galatians 5. These are the results. Tell me if your family, your home doesn't need this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Does anybody need a little love in their life? Would anybody like a little love in your marriage? A little love in your family? A little love in your home? It gets even better than this. If that was it, if I just said, here's, if you pick up the sword of the Spirit, you're going to have love. That should be enough. Wow. That's, that's, that is really, all you need is love. Right, young people think of that song, but you can't pay the mortgage with love. But anyway, so, um, verse 22, what else comes after love? Joy and peace. Joy and peace. Are those two words that describe you and your relationship with your teenager? Anybody need a little peace in their home? Verse 22, long-suffering, which is patience gentleness, goodness. Don't you wish your home was described with goodness? Faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the afflictions of the lust. Paul says those that are Jesus take the sword of the flesh, they die daily to Jesus, and they take the sword, and they crucify it on the cross. Verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. David had a choice. He had victory when he chose God's sword. He's going to bring nothing but pain and shame and death. Because he's going to pick up the sword of the flesh. Which will you choose? You're tempted? There's somebody in your life at work and you're tempted. You're going to pick up the sword of the spirit and do something about it? Or you're going to pick up the sword of the flesh and give in? When your kids don't serve God, what are you going to do? Do you know this is, this is, this is, do you know that God loves your son more than you do? When someone hurts you, what are you going to do? You're going to pick up the sword of the spirit. Oh, let's get him back. Because that's why Jesus made Facebook. Or you're going to pick up the sword. 
going to forgive your mom finally? The choices that you've been dealing with? When you're ready to give up, no one gets to talk to me like that, Pastor Steve. No one gets to challenge me on things that personal that you, you just need to stick to saying Jesus is love and don't ever talk like that again or I'm going to another show. When you're ready to give up, are you going to pick up the sword of this flesh and strike back? Pick up the Holy Spirit and allow the Spirit to start changing your life. Which sword are you going to choose this week? Choices. Speaking of wallets, years ago, I went to a store and uh, just something simple I was going to get. I think it was a 7-Eleven type. I jumped in. I was going to get something and stuff. And, I don't know, something that I probably shouldn't eat. I know you look at this body and you think, really, you eat junk food? Yeah, surprise. But anyway, so, uh, so I was jumping in there and I was gonna buy something and I took it up to the counter and it was, you know, five dollars away. And I knew I had money. I always keep some money in my wallet and stuff just for emergencies and stuff. And I went to my wallet and I took out, instead of money, yeah, this, this is what I found in my wallet. It was a note from my wife that said, took your last six dollars to find a place. <laughs> Now, some of you are wondering, what is marriage really like? <laughs> That's what marriage is really like. Took your last six dollars. <laughs> and you know, the thing is, I kept that. That was years ago and stuff. And the, the crazy thing about her, I mean, my son's not in here. I mean, my wife has me wrapped around her. I mean, she just has to smile. I think she's gorgeous. And she's got everything. And I can't stay mad at her and stuff like that because she smiles at me. And it's kind of funny, you know, the last year, six dollars, and thank God I got a credit card. I'm like, hey, hey, you know, I showed the guy behind the counter. I'm like, are you married? He goes, no. I goes, look, this is what marriage is like. Are you But you know what? Some of you, you know what you're writing? You're writing to the next generation. Hey, sorry about that addiction I passed on to you. Smiley face. <laughs> sorry you're an alcoholic because that's the odd thing that most alcoholics have a parent that's an alcoholic. Sorry I brought that poison into our house, smiley face. Sorry I cheated on your mom and I destroyed your childhood, smiley face. Sorry me and uh, mom just couldn't love each other long enough and he left and I never got to see you grow up, smiley face. Sorry I got mad at the preacher because he talked about things I didn't like and I walked away from God and we never went back to church anywhere and that's why you don't know Christ is your personal savior, smiley face. Hey. Second generation, I walked away from Jesus, and my kids walked away from Jesus, and now you don't even know who Jesus is, and you're going to die and crack hell wide open. Hey, when you get to hell, here's smiley face because dad was mad at the preacher, or grandma didn't want to stay faithful to God anymore. Here's your note, smiley face. He's me, why do you get so upset? Why do you get so animated about that? Because my half is... Half of my job is dealing with nothing more than other people's choices that would thrown upon them. Addictions and problems and issues. You're here today and you're thinking, I'm going to start serving Jesus. You take an entire generation, a second generation with you. You get your 
life right with God today, you come before this altar and you beg God to forgive you and you change the type of dad you are. You change the type of mom you are. You're here and you're a young person. You know what you're doing. You know that you're far from God. You come down to this aisle and you beg God to forgive you and you change what's happening in your life because all you're doing is writing the next generation. Sorry you don't know who God is. Smiley face. Choices. Choices you make. You pick up sword in the flesh, Goliath, the dead giant. Looks really good. Looks really tempting. And we could sleep in on Sunday. We don't need to go to church. We're saved. We're going to heaven. It doesn't matter. You pick up the sword of the spirit. You can start leading your wife like she really needs. You can start loving your kids and loving Jesus more than anything and setting an example for them. Or you'll leave them alone with a smile. Choices. Every head bowed, every head closed. No one looking around, just read me and Jesus. Can I say this? Okay. Today's message is a little more old school than maybe you might be used to. And my message probably really belongs in a tent revival. And maybe this is the type of message you hear at youth camp or some other type of situation where there's a revival and you sort of expect decisions in this. You know what? Every now and then, every one of us needs to hold up the Word of God, the mirror of truth to our lives, and ask ourselves are we slipping away? Are there swords of the flesh that we're pulling out? You know how Jesus is going to respond if we say yes? He's going to throw up his big open, big arms and say, listen, with his nail-pierced scars in his hand, come back. I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to hurt you. I'm here just to love you and forgive you. If you've been picking up the sword of the flesh, put it down. Your God, your Jesus will forgive you. And from this day forward, start doing it right. Mom and Dad, I beg you, I beg you. Because they're going to have to, your young, your children are going to have to deal with your decisions. I beg you to serve Jesus. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you, Lord, for your power and your word and your Holy Spirit. Lord, help us as people to not fall in love with the things of the world. Lord, could you give us a distaste for it? Could you help us to just find it so disgusting to want nothing to do with these things. Lord, if there's a marriage in here that's about to break up, about to fall apart, Father, let your Holy Spirit bring conviction and change it. Lord, if there's a young person in here, they know where their life is going. Father, you know every father's heart in this room. Father, help us to drop that sword of Goliath that we've been playing around with and come running back to you and just beg for your forgiveness. Lord, help us to pick up that sword of spirit this week. In Jesus' precious name. With every head bowed, bowed, every eye closed, do you know Christ as your Savior? Are you constantly going to the flesh? It's between you and God today. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Would you stand with me today? As the band sings the song, do you know Christ as your personal Savior? Know Jesus? Is there something?
something that you need to change.